We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7, sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies, perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome in everybody to another edition of the Pack a Day podcast. Thank you so much again for joining us today. My name is Dan Connick, and on our podcast today, I'm joined by my two uh, co-hosts, Matt Freilich and Janelle Mackey. Guys, how are you doing? A good weekend? Um, you know, now that we're in the full, we're basically in the full swing of uh, of football season here. Now, you know, we're halfway through the preseason. College football starts up here soon. I'm feeling pretty good right now. I'm great. I had my first fantasy football draft this morning. Oh, um, nice! It was it. It went okay. There was a few where like maybe I grabbed a quarterback early. I grabbed Deshaun Watson like the seventh round, so it's I'll, I'll live with that. But yeah, full fledged football mode. Halfway through preseason, haven't seen twelve out there yet. Kind of disappointed in that. Um, but I, I always like to say the Green Bay Packers are Wisconsin's best export, and they get to go over to Canada this week. And you would hope that those fans paying like $150 to see Aaron Rodgers play, he would actually play because we'd have some pretty irritated fans of the North, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how do you like that uh, the Rams and the Cowboys get to go to Hawaii and the Packers get to go to Winnipeg? Like, I, like, it's still it's still a pretty cool experience, um, but like, yeah, just one team gets to go hang out on the beach, and the other ones is Winnipeg. You think the team um, that has to suffer throughout the season would get to go on a nice right. warm vacation, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> man, and, what a contrast. Well, and I mean, it's against uh, it's uh, the Raiders, correct? Yeah. I, I can't be I, I, the Raiders in Winnipeg, so. The team that has to suffer through the coldest weather and then the team that has to suffer through hard knocks, their reward is to get to go to to Canada instead of Hawaii. I, I personally I love this. I, I love this new kind of trend now. I feel like this is we were um you know, Matt, like you, last week you and I were talking about the 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 trend of, you know, joint practices. I love this new trend of moving some of these preseason games to kind of these different locations that don't get, uh, you know, a normal NFL-style game. I think it's awesome. Like, even if you, like, stuck within the United States, like, you could put a game in somewhere in, like, Oklahoma or Iowa. Like, that would be kind of cool. Or anywhere out west. I mean, I guess Vegas is going to have a team shortly. But 
Yeah, I think just spread. I mean, why not? It's just a preseason game. Who really cares? I mean, it, it stinks for the fans that maybe economically aren't thriving as well and they like to get to a game or have some young children that like to get to a game. But at the end of the day, the NFL is just trying to spread their wings. And a game in Canada is crazy. Like, it's just the Raiders in the shambles they're in. I mean, there's more stuff that came out this afternoon just about uh, the discomfort there is between the organization and John Gruden and Antonio Brown. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, they don't even let him get on the flight. Like, it's just crazy. Like, I, I don't know. And the Raiders always have a bunch of guys with, like, questionable character issues. So, like, we were talking at work the other day. It's like, you you know, you don't you have a DUI. You can't even get into Canada. Like, I wonder if there's going to be any guys that are going to check at the border <laughs> and be like, uh, hit the bricks. Like, but... Uh, I I will I will say that yeah they they will probably we had at um I know this is completely different and you know if you're part of a, a multi million dollar organization like you know an NFL team it's different but our uh, the hockey team that I work for had a trade that they got a guy from Canada and the trade actually had to be nulled because his visa like something happened with his visa and he wasn't allowed into the country sure uh, so uh, but again. If you're the Raiders, you probably got enough money to kind of make anything like that go away. But um, excited to see that on Thursday coming up. So we are halfway through the preseason, obviously, with this game now. Um, we wanted to take this episode to kind of run down uh, position groups and players that uh, were high or low on, depending on what we've seen in these first two weeks. Um, you know, obviously – We've kind of seen both sides of things now, the uh, good and the bad. Uh, you know, the first week, there really wasn't a whole lot of bad, or at least uh, a lot of the good kind of outweighed the bad. This past week, though, against the, the Ravens uh, was a, as they like to say, burn the tape kind of game. Um, so, so we've seen a little bit of everything from everybody. So uh, where we stand going into these next two um preseason games and obviously there's a lot of uh position groups to look at that people are keeping an eye on when it comes to stuff like this so uh let's jump into we'll let's start on the offensive side guys um so i mean we can we can kind of hit on the quarterback situation a little bit i i don't think that really after last week there's really not a, a quarterback that's kind of stood out uh as a surefire backup quarterback so i what i want to ask you for the quarterback situation is the stock high or low for the packers to look at possibly investing a high round draft pick on a quarterback next year after what we've seen from the two backups now because we've seen pretty much almost two full seasons of tim boyle and deshaun kaiser in this backup role and it's really not, you know, anything to write home about. So high or low, are you buying or selling the Packers drafting or investing heavily into a better uh, backup quarterback situation in next year's draft after what we've seen in the preseason? Yeah, I think uh, I think they definitely have to start diversifying their bonds a little bit and really just setting themselves up, <laughs> like, for the second quarter of 2020. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a first-round pick, maybe a second-round pick, I mean, there. I know the you know without looking offhand, I know that the the quarterback class for this coming year is pretty decent, it's kind of top heavy from what I remember looking at. But I would think Lafleur wants to get his guy in there. Um, you know, people are always saying that they had some chemistry between Lafleur and Kaiser because they were at Notre Dame for like one season, whatever it was. And maybe there's going to be some continuity there. Clearly, that doesn't happen. But I think it'd be great for Lafleur to get his own guy, uh, learn the offense like we've talked about, and just kind of. You know, I, I've been saying this for a long time now since Rodgers got his extension and LaFleur was brought in. We're kind of on a five-year plan if you're a Packer fan, and you would think at some point towards the end of that he there would be an heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers or Matt LaFleur or whoever it is. So I would think you got to be kind of high if you're, if you're buying some stock right now in the quarterback class. Yeah, and I would have to agree with Matt on that. You kind of talk about how Kaiser and Boyle have had some, some time to kind of prove their worth and – haven't really seen anything special and like you said you have to think ahead you probably want the backup to have some time behind Rodgers you don't want to draft when you absolutely need the quarterback you want to draft preparing for it so I think definitely within the next one to two draft years I think they really need to start looking at that because Kaiser who has 
even had time as a starter. Not really anything special that I've seen. Um, Boyle definitely wouldn't be a starter. So, yeah, I think you kind of have to start looking out into the future. And they're, they're backup players. They're solid backup players, but there's just no consistency with them. And you got to start thinking ahead. Like you said, you got to think of that five-year plan. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. I, th- I think that there's a case to be made for, you know, e- either either drafting a a player that can develop into a solid backup quarterback because, you know, for me, a solid backup quarterback is somebody that if, you know, your main guy goes down, he can at least kind of tread water. And on, I honestly, you know, I, I, I really like Deshaun Kaiser, especially coming out of college. But uh, when they got him from the Browns, I was actually pretty excited about it. He hasn't shown that he can kind of sustain this team, and I, I don't know if it's a, you know, I don't I don't know if it's he's essentially had basically three different coaches in th- in three years of being in the NFL. But if you're going to be a professional in the NFL, you've got to be able to kind of make it work wherever and with whomever. So. Uh, I, I, I would think at this point you've got to start looking at finding somebody that can take over that backup role. And with the injuries that Rodgers has had the last couple of years, you've, you've got to have somebody in the background that can you know, come in and, like I said, tread water if the, the situation comes up. Um, but a, a position group that's a little bit more wide open is uh, the running back group, but more specifically the kind of that third running back position. Um, Obviously, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams kind of have those those two starting jobs uh, locked down. Um, but, you know, the third the, there's room for a third guy here, and there's a couple of different candidates that we've seen so far here. So in the running back position, uh, who, who have you been high on? Who are you low on? Uh, give, me, give me a couple names. Well, I guess to start, like, Dexter Williams is someone who stood out to me right away in that first preseason game. I know he kind of struggled a little bit um, this last game against the Ravens, but I see a lot of potential in him. And there's even times where I look at him and I'm like, wow, he could maybe be a number two running back, depending on how Williams looks when he kind of gets some reps. So I think Dexter Williams is really making a case for making the roster. And I really look forward to seeing what he does in these next couple games. I Dexter Williams to me is all over the board. Janelle, like you said, the first game he was decent. There was flashes, but there's a few times now where I've seen him just make boneheaded mistakes, and I I'm going to chalk him up to rookie mistakes. I mean that's kind of a cliche statement, but uh, the two that stick out to me are uh, the first one is in the family night game. He tried to take a handoff, like instead of having two arms, like a normal handoff, he didn't have his bottom arm and he tried to like kind of corral it with his top arm and fumbled it. I've never (laughs) seen anyone take a a handoff under center like that. And the second one was in the game on Thursday versus the Ravens. He tried to catch a ball on a screen pass, like one handed too. Like, I don't know what this guy, like he's trying to like show off a little bit. And I think it's one of those rookie situations where he just, I I don't even know if it's a rookie situation. I think he's just kind of like, not focus like he's just like it's almost like they've been practicing too much where he's like i'm just i've you know done this in practice i don't have to be as secure with the ball but like that's someone to me i i would love to be high in him but i'm actually kind of selling dexter williams at this point like he doesn't i mean athletically he's good i think he's really you know good between the tackles but boneheaded mistakes like that i don't really see you climbing up the depth chart and the way the Packers have bring, been bringing in running backs, like you could see him falling off. I mean, his his saving grace is that he is a you know a rookie this year, and they're not really going to cut ties with him. You'd think right away because they did select him for a reason, I think, to run Lafleur's offense. But that's someone where I'm if I had to buy or sell him, I'm I'm going to sell him at this point. Dan, do you have an opinion on any other running backs or I mean Dexter Williams? So with the with the Dexter Williams situation. If it was, you know, if we were buying the stock about who would be taking over that third running back role, he's kind of the one that you have to buy, I think, almost as like uh, as a default. Because really, has anybody else kind of stepped up and shown you uh, that they want to take over that? I mean, Trey Carson kind of did a little bit, I think, in week number one. Um, Darren Hall had a really nice run, really the, the only big run in that Ravens game. But, you know, Dexter Williams, 
for for better or for worse is the only one that people are kind of talking about. Uh, so he's kind of the if you were buying for the guy to take over the role, it's him. But I'm kind of with you, Matt, with that sentiment that if I was buying or selling a guy to like out of him or the field to take over a running back position, I'd kind of lean more towards the field because yeah, it's been, it's been fairly inconsistent Mm -hmm. early on. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, I think, I mean, like you said, Trey Carson, I think is one to keep an eye on. They clearly like him a lot the last few weeks when Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams have been out of practice. Um, But just all the running backs they brought in, you'd think someone would maybe start, you know, breaking, you know, kind of, running through the depth chart a little bit, you really haven't seen too much of that. I mean, Corey Grant, I think, got cut already, so uh, they clearly brought him in for about, what, a week and a half and thought, the heck with him. So, yeah, I, I, Trey Carson's one to keep an eye on, too. I would almost – he seems very, like, solid. Like, you're, it's a safe safe bet where Dexter Williams, I think, is more volatile, where he actually could, you know, move up the depth chart. But right now I'm, I'm not too – like, I'm not even too impressed with the running back group. I mean, like I said, the two guys that have been banged up – um, there's just really no one that's kind of that you that you're like ready for week one to see what they can do outside of you know Aaron Jones. Uh, hopefully he's healthy, but there's really no one that I've seen that's really like um, maybe you want to go out and spend some well, cash. And I on think them. bringing back the fullback too, thinking about running back number three isn't as big as thinking about the fullback. So you kind of have some playroom with that too. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I'd, I'd be lying if I said it in, like, fullback. So the fact that they have two of them now is awesome. Well, and running some of those tight ends, uh, you know, in that kind of H-back, fullback, um, you know, situation in some of those. We saw Tunyon do that last year. So they've got options in the backfield. And the, the thing with this is it's really kind of uh, first-world problems when it comes to finding out a position group because you've got two guys already, especially a number one in Aaron Jones – uh, you've got two guys that can really hold down that position. So really it's just kind of to find, you know, the cherry on top of that running back group back there. Sure. Um, one that's a little bit more uh, kind of up in the air is the wide receiving core. Obviously very hotly contested as, as we've gone through this whole uh, preseason. We talk, we've talked about it in our group here a couple of times about the wide receiving core. Uh it's really kind of the one that people have probably had the most uh, the most to say about. It's been the most divisive. Um, outside of Devontae Adams and probably Geronimo Allison, things are kind of wide open. So let, let's throw it out. Who who are we high on? Who are we low on? Um, I have a feeling that I, I know somebody that is going to be uh, be trending upwards for you guys. But uh, who who do you like? Yeah, I'll start. I mean, I think – for making any more analogies, I would say the wide receiver group is kind of like uh, cryptocurrency. You really have no idea who's going <laughs> to expose. Like, like Bitcoin is like uh, Devonte Adams, and everything after that is like you have no idea where people are falling. You know what what they're buying. You know you have no idea. So I'm just going to start on the low end. Um, Trevor Davis. I mean, I I've been kind of beating the drum that I'm not a big Trevor Davis fan. I don't like someone that's just going to come on the team and really kind of be a one trick pony, but Again, he's injured. Like, he can't even get on the field. That was his thing last preseason, um, and he's hurt again. And there's other guys we're going to talk about here that are making opportunities for that. So that's someone I'm selling right now. Um, after that, I, I think the the sky's pretty bright for everyone else on the list, but uh, that's one I'm definitely selling right off the bat. And one that I would sell, Jamon Moore is kind of like my Dexter Williams. He's somebody who... Like, yeah. I was very disappointed with him week one. He's not consistent. He'll make the big play, but then he'll drop the easy one. So he's someone that over time you're like, okay, I don't really see you having a spot on this team. But especially with players like Shepard and Lazard and Kumaro kind of on that high. And you kind of wonder if EQ even has a place on this team now with all those rising stars in the receiver group. So I would definitely say more. And like you said, Davis they might be out this year, but Shepard, he's been mm-hmm. killing it. Him and Boyle have been doing really well with their connection, but I really like what I'm seeing from him and Lazard. Right away, he was looking really good, and obviously you have Kumaro, who has a lot of high praise from a lot of people, especially Rogers. so those are three that I'm excited to see where they end up, especially Shepard and Lazard, but yeah, more Davis, and then I'm kind of even wondering about EQ, where he'll end up. 
Yeah, I thought I thought Equimedia St. Brown would have a little bit more, um, kind of more reps in the in the preseason so far. And you've seen a little bit from him, but I haven't seen anything super flashy that I expected. I mean, there was some plays he had at the end of last year that I was like, wow, this guy's you know make some plays once in a while. And I really haven't seen that from him. Kind of kind of strange. Um, Dan, what do you what are you seeing with the wide receiver group? Who are you buying? Who are you selling? Well, I think you guys you guys hit on something um, interesting with that, but. You know, the guys that at the beginning of the preseason you were kind of hoping to see take over that, uh, you know, that second, third, fourth guy kind of roles like the Trevor Davis, the Equimanius St. Browns, like guys like that who, you know, people were, I think, pretty high on have have really, you know, not shown anything this, this preseason. And, and I think Janelle – brings up something that not a lot of people are mentioning is that, uh, you know, I think, I think she's right. EQ, you know, could be at risk of kind of getting lost in the shuffle of these guys that are coming out and really making name for themselves like Alan Lazard and Darius Shepard, I think is one of the key ones too, because, you know, when we talked uh, earlier this preseason about some of the wide receiving guys on this team, I mentioned that I was, higher on Trevor Davis than um, you know others were because I thought that he had the speed to make it as a return guy, a special teams kind of guy. Uh, but then, yeah, like he, you can't stay healthy. You can't make it on the field. The best ability is availability and you can't, you can't stay on the field and contribute. And now you've got a guy like Darius Shepard who, you know, has shown that he could possibly take over that role, which, you know, if, if Davis couldn't find a role in the wide receiving group, it was going to be in that receiving uh, the uh, return game. And now you've got somebody that's taken over both of those basically. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think that this is a group that's highlighted by a lot of rising stars. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Is there like a, like, like this would be like, you know, if, if Pepsi stock was like plummeting and like Fago or big K Cola or something was, was was skyrocketing up now um it's it's a group that there's still a lot more i think really the big key is to see how this works with aaron Rodgers. obviously you know i I think that's kind of the last key thing who is he familiar with we saw it help uh kumro last year and his ability to kind of make it onto this roster so uh yeah still still a lot more up in the air for uh for the Packers wide receiver. I like what you said there, Matt. It's kind of, it's cryptocurrency. You don't really know what the heck's going on with any of it. Yeah. And on a, on a positive side, I would think, you know, I I really like Darius Shepard. I like what he did on Thursday. Um, in the return game specifically, he right off the bat had a great return, broke a tackle, got to the sideline and, you know, extended the, extended his return. Um, good punt return where he was kind of bodied up in the second half and still, still ended up getting about eight or ten yards. So, I mean, if he can do those types of things, you're going to find your way onto a roster. As far as a receiver, I don't see it, like, right away just because it's it's going to be tough to beat out guys that I think are just in front of him, like uh, Valdez Scantling, like Kumaro. And those two guys I'm super high on. I, I really do think if he doesn't start the year as the number two receiver, he will work himself into it halfway through the season. That's Marcos Valdez Scantling. Um, and then Kumaro is that guy, again, where it's just he's consistently making plays. And they talked about on the broadcast on Thursday just how he's just, again, it's we're beating the same drum, but he's just a very, very highly IQ'd football player. He knows how to settle down in the zone, find the soft spot. He's an older guy. It's just it's so impossible at this point to actually keep him off the roster. And once he gets on there, I really think the sky is the limit just to fill in that void of like the Randall Cobb and another guy that can fill um, underneath with Aaron Rodgers. So I'm super excited for the wide receiver group. I think you'd be kind of dumb not to buy into most of the posi- most of the guys on the team. But um, obviously, like Janelle and I said, there's a few that you just don't really want to, you know, you know, buy into at this point. So defensively, let's let's look at this side of the ball. It hasn't been much better than you know, especially uh, this past week what we saw from the offense. So defensively, um, should we start? Uh, up front with the defensive line, is it linebackers? Where, where where's the group that kind of gives you guys the most concern so far? I think it. I really think it has to be inside linebacker. I mean, you 
let's go back a year. You don't have Jake Ryan, obviously, because he gets hurt. And then it's just you, Oren Burks has hurt all of last year. Now he's actually out for an extended period of time. And, uh, you know, Blake Martinez is solid. He's, um, he's just one of those guys where you don't, you almost kind of forget about him, but he's always going to be there and he's always on the field. Um, but then you have guys that are going to fill in the role. Like, is it, is Josh Jones going to play up in the box? And he's even kind of a question mark. He's, you know, gotten to scuffles in practice. And I, th- I would say he's probably on the floors, um, like kind of in his doghouse a little bit, especially with the things he was saying over the off season. And then you look to see who guys are going to fill, fill in. It was Ty Summers and um, Curtis Bolton. And like, I really thought Summers were going to have a good game on Thursday. And he looked exposed a few times, um, kind of filling the wrong gaps. Bolton looked really good to me. Um, you know, he still made a few mistakes, got that interception. I was really hoping he'd be able to return a little further than he did before he got upended. But, I mean, those two guys, one of them is going to have to start between Summers and Bolton. Um, going into the game, I was high on Summers. Now I'm higher on Bolton. I think it's kind of a coin flip really at this point. Athletically, Bolton looks a little bit higher up there. But I, it's kind of a weird – like it's a really weird spot. Like they don't really have much else to bank on other than – possibly like a Raven Green or a Josh Jones who I mentioned to, to play in that position. It's it kind of stinks. Like in August, already, you're kind of almost like pigeonholed to where you have to play some guys. It's either like these first, you know, these first year rookies who are super late picks or undrafted guys, or these guys are kind of hybrid positions. It's just a, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. You're almost, you're going to be, you know, putting guys in that, out of like, out of necessity and like desperation instead of want. Yeah, and you kind of um, brought up somebody I want to touch on. So Ty Summers is someone who, even prior to that first preseason game, I was kind of following him, listened to what people had to say about him. So I was really high on him after that first game. I really like his patience. He doesn't just run into the line and hope to make a tackle. He kind of waits a second to see where the run's going to go, who's going to be where. And I really like that the first game. But missed tackles are something that – this whole preseason so far has been a huge struggle for defense everywhere, all over the field, just too much running and in the open field where they should. Yeah, it's it's frustrating. But I think Ty Summers is one of those guys where I think he has a very strong mind. And once his abilities kind of catch up to that, I think, yeah, he's still pretty young. So he's got some things like kinks to work out. But I think mentally he's going to be a very smart player. And he has the physical ability. He just has to get that all lined up. And I think that I would definitely buy stock in Ty Summers. And I hope that um, games three and four of the preseason, he kind of gets back on a high because, yeah, everybody kind of looked rough against the Ravens. So he's somebody that I'd like to see kind of start to get back on the high. And, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I like that point that, you know, the, the missed tackles – that Summers had that kind of, you know, were kind of dampened what he did in, in game number one. Don't don't really, you know, affect me too much because, like she said, everybody looked terrible missing tackles in in that Ravens game. So it's it's not like anybody, you know, really stood out to that to you know in that position group. Um, with that, with the Oren Burks question. Now with, uh, you know, Bolton and Summers kind of taking over that role, or at least you would assume kind of looks to be the person taking the, – the two people taking over that uh, that starting job, are we higher or lower on Oren Burks now that this is his second major injury? And it really, I mean, he hasn't played I, – he, I, I he hasn't played a, a meaningful NFL game. No. At this point, and we're in his second year now. It's tough because, like, they're, everyone was saying he was having such a good offseason. You know what I mean? Like, he's really kind of grown, gotten quicker, and it it stinks. I, I saw today he doesn't have to have surgery on his pec, which is great, but I mean, he's still going to be out for half the year, if not more. So you hate to see an injury-prone guy. The Packers have a few of them on that defensive side who I'm sure we'll start talking about in a little second here. But it, it especially when it's a young guy, like you really don't know what you're going to get from him. And it's so tough to cut ties with a guy right off the bat, especially if, what was a third round pick Oren Burks was last year. I mean, I, I don't really know what you're going to get out of him at this point. He's he, when they drafted him, he was kind of like that hybrid safety linebacker as well. Now he's gotten a little bit bigger and it just, I, I don't really know what you're going to do, Dan. I really, it's, 
you kind of have to have him do something this year. Otherwise, you really do need to invest in another spot. And I think, if I'm mistaken, Blake Martinez will be up for a contract extension this year going into next. So it's like you really need to invest some money in that position group, whether it's someone's on the team or you know exterior. Yeah, I, I agree. And, yeah, I think with, with the play of Ty Summers and Curtis Bolton, um, you know, James Crawford gets thrown in there there too a little bit. He kind of forgot know, about he, him there. Yeah, yeah. He you know, he he looks like to be you know somebody that will probably fill out that special teams side of things, which you I mean you need, especially with the I think linebacking kind of being the big one. You know, guys that can tackle on special teams and can be a, a rotational guy. I mean that that inside linebacking group. Outside of Blake Martinez, it kind of looks like it's going to be, you know, a, you know, like three-man, maybe four-man kind of position group. But the the thing is, too, and we, we didn't really touch on, you know, um, you know, the outside linebacker or the uh, the defensive line kind of situation. But, you know, the, the situation, guys like Rashawn Gary played up and down, you know, in, on mm-hmm. the on the on the line. You can move him around with the way that, uh, you know, Mike Pettin's defense is, and you kind of brought up Josh Jones too. There's a lot of fluidity, especially in that inside linebacking position. And if you've got one guy, I think with Blake Martinez, you can, you kind of have the ability to, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, uh, the analogy is kind of, um, you know, buy stock on the margin, you know, not not really fully invest in somebody to take over that starting role, but just kind of make it a platoon thing and just make just make something work. It doesn't necessarily have to be what everybody else does, but just a defense that that works. Mm-hmm. Um, staying on the defense again, uh, moving outside cornerback position. Um, a couple of other, a couple of names that have come up now that have made themselves known in this preseason, especially. Uh, Tony Brown, one that's gotten a lot of talk. We haven't really seen a lot of uh, Kevin King really this preseason. Um, a lot of know. visor and shorts. Seen a yeah. lot of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, wh- where are we? Where are we at with the cornerbacks? I, I think it's. It almost seems somewhat obvious for two of them. I think if you're going to buy stock low on someone right now, it's Tony Brown. Uh, He's really, really had a great offseason. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has obviously talked super high about him, uh, which doesn't happen a lot. And then just kind of piggy, piggybacking off the end of the 2018 season, he's just he's just really coming into his own, and I think it's someone that's super under the radar. And the second one to me is Jair Alexander. I would kind of, if we're making another analogy, Jair Alexander's kind of like when Amazon went public in 1997 when they were just <laughs> selling books. Like, we're, we're just going to sell books. And then all of a sudden – they like break out and are like, we're going to sell everything else. And Jair Alexander's like, I'm just going to cover the whole one side of the field. And I think that's someone that if you're looking for something to kind of, you know, uh, pass some generational wealth onto your family, that would be a uh, Jair Alexander right now. So those are the two that I'm looking at. I'm sure you guys, do you guys feel similar to those two? I can't imagine there'd be any other feeling. Is there someone else that you guys are looking at? Yeah, those are kind of like, the two that you look at and you're like, okay, these are our starting cornerbacks. And then kind of Dan brought up Kevin King. I would probably sell my stock in Kevin King. I just, like we talked about with the inside linebackers, the injuries, and it's like how much can you really trust someone who you never get to see? Is he really going to be that good when he comes back? Because he's got all these injuries. So it's just one of those things where you, you question it. And then you've got people like Tony, Tony Brown, kind of on under the radar rising up that could potentially take away that position from him and Tony Brown like you said he's been doing great he's pretty consistent and then Jair is obviously an animal out there so you kind of wonder where Kevin King's gonna fall now when he was supposed to be before we got Jair he was supposed to be that number one Mm -hmm. guy and now he's kind of falling to like maybe three or four yeah and I think a guy too to to keep an eye on didn't play a lot in the Ravens game due to injury, so he he's been kind of been you know eased back into it. Is Kadar Holman? He he it looked like he, from what I saw in the Week One matchup had a, a pretty solid 
uh, first outing, you know, at least for a guy that it was playing, you know, uh, his first game. I, I think he's somebody that you could look at um, with the way if you assume that Kevin King comes out of this preseason somewhat healthy and is going to take a majority of uh, snaps. Kadar Holman could be a guy that uh, is a sneaky, um, you know, buy kind of player that later on in the season, maybe week three, week four, if Kevin King, you know, has one of his uh, rash of injuries or has to take time out, Kadar Holman could be a guy that, if nothing else, fills in that role and probably maybe more so has a bigger impact on uh, maybe a special team's kind of uh, situation as well. Yeah, I think Holman's a guy that you're just, they really want him to play nickelback. That's the he's very versatile, extremely fast. Um, he can he can cover you know tight ends, receivers. So I think that's a guy that it's a good point, Dan. I mean they 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 saw something in him, and they drafted him. He's extremely quick, like I mentioned. He's he's someone to look out for. Um, I didn't I saw him I think maybe once or twice in the Ravens game, and I think he did have a blown coverage if I'm not mistaken, or or definitely you know just picked up the wrong guy. So again, rookie late round pick you're not gonna you know expect that to be solid right away but um something i'm just kind of curious to see where he's gonna end up just across the board um right now on one depth chart site i'm on he's listed as a cornerback we've seen him play safety is josh jackson like if we go back a year ago i would have been extremely high on josh jackson just i thought he could have been a first round pick the fact that the peckers got him in the second round i was ecstatic and you just don't, like, is he going to play safety? Is he going to play cornerback? That's a guy you'd really like to see fill in a role. I just don't know where he he's going to play. Um, I, he really, he hasn't really been injured. Like, I don't know what, what the deal is with him. I'm not really buying or selling. It's just someone I want to kind of just throw out there. I don't know what you guys have seen or what, where do you expect him to fall? Does he take over kind of – because, like, now that you have Savage and Amos, like, he doesn't really play safety. It's just – He's not. I don't know if he's really the nickelback. I, I'm not really sure where to where to slot him. Yeah, I definitely think the safety position has a lot more depth than the cornerback position. So I think they'll probably keep him in that area. And kind of like you said, I don't really know what to think about him right now. I haven't really seen anything. Don't really know what to think. But he was a big name a couple of years ago. So you kind of want him to do something great. So you kind of wonder, is he going to take over maybe like all of a sudden kind of shine and take over the number two spot behind Alexander. Is he going to kind of fall back and kind of get lost in the roster? He's just kind of somebody that we just kind of have to watch and see. We really don't know what to expect from him yeah, right now. Kind of, kind of the forgotten guy in that cornerback room, uh, Josh Jackson. I, I, he had the, he had the opportunity, I think to take over that solid second uh, position uh, player behind Jair Alexander because of you know everything happening with Kevin King and he just really kind of there's been no buzz about him in training camp or preseason at all and you know we didn't see him in the Ravens game at all and like you said Matt like it's not like he's you know it, it, he's he's not Oren Burks where we know what kind of what his situation is he's just kind of out there you know in the ether no one really he's He's a, he's a big question mark and a, a big question mark at a position group that could use some answers. Um, is there anybody in, as we look at this next game against Oakland, guys that you're looking for to uh, maybe have a game where if we were doing this episode after the Raiders game, we would look at and say, that's the guy that I would buy stock in right now. Is, is there a guy that you want to see in this next game against the Raiders to have a game where you could point and say, for sure, this is the guy you need to buy stock in uh, for the season coming up. I, I want it to be Montrevious Adams so bad because everyone's talked so highly about him. And I just, I mean, maybe I've, maybe I've been looking down at my phone on a play or two and just haven't seen him do anything, but I just haven't seen him do anything great where they're really going to give him a starting spot. I mean, um, Kenny Clark just playing nose tackle on um, on Thursday, and Montrevious is lined up next to him, and you would just think 
it would make up some, you know, it would make some one-on-one situations for him. But it was like Kenny Clark kind of was doing the thing right away in the first quarter. And Montrevious is someone that I'd really like. You you'd really really like to see you know play up to the expectation that everyone's saying he had a great off season. Maybe I'm missing it, guys. I, I could be wrong on this, but I just haven't seen anything that's super super fantastic by him. And then on on the flip side, if we're that's someone I want I want to buy low. Someone that I want to sell off is to be honest, Jimmy Graham. Like, I I think Robert Tanyan's kind of going to come into his own. I don't think it's, you know, right away in the beginning of the year. But I don't – I just – Jimmy Graham to me, it just seems like his his best days are far, far behind him. Um, he was younger, a different type of offense. And now it's just – I don't see that he's going to get the the opportunities in Matt LaFer's offense. I was kind of going back. I said at a fantasy football draft this today. And I was kind of going back and look at some of the, like, the tight ends that were using Matt LaFer's offense. There's really no one that stuck out to me. I mean, there's really – that had huge, you know, that was kind of like they were built around. I mean, I know Austin Hooper and um, Delaney Walker there, but like Delaney kind of did his thing. But outside of that, it's not, he wasn't taking any like low end guys that were making him any better. And like, I just don't see Jimmy Graham at this point really kind of being part of the Packers future. Um, I think it's almost like a forced issue at this point, if he's going to get the ball. So that's the two for me on either side of the ball. Well, and I think Jimmy Graham, I heard rumors that he might have dislocated his finger at practice today. Yeah, he so. dislocated or broke. Uh, not good. Yeah. Either way, yeah. Kind of a player that it's kind of like a make or break year for him. So, but defensively, somebody that I really want to see explode is Kingsley Kiki. He is somebody who you hear the name and you really just want to see him blow up the line so I think um he's got some great people to learn from I mean this line has a lot of potential the defensive line even without Daniel so I think if he can find his game and just really step up in this preseason then he's somebody that I'd really like to see um throughout this season get better and better and kind of fill empty roles as people like Daniels leave I I was gonna say Kingsley Kiki as well uh, because I think out of the out of the defensive that 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 front four, you've got the biggest kind of question mark with the defensive lineman position with the decision to let Mike Daniels go. And so, if you're kind of assuming Kenny Clark is that number one guy, I, I think Montrevious Adams. We've kind of seen what he can do in spurts, but Kingsley Kiki is a guy that they took to you know come in and possibly compete for a starting job. And it's obvious that with you, you let Mike Daniels go, you had faith that he could become something. Um, I think just to be a little bit to different, I am, I'm still looking to see something out of uh, Rashawn Gary. Um, again, I might, I might be, yeah. I might be biased because I'm an Ohio state guy, but I really didn't like the pick uh, at, in, in the first round for him. And, I was cautiously optimistic when everything in you know OTAs and training camps showed that he was you know oh he, he looks he looks incredible there's a, a incredible break off the ball but he's he's played I think it was 68 snaps in the first two games and hasn't recorded a single tackle he led the he led the outside linebacking core in snaps in this Ravens game and you can't do that and not even show up on, you know, with an assisted tackle. Like, there's been nothing from him so far. And, you know, a a first-round pick like that at number 12, and that's why I said when they drafted him, a pick like that has to be an absolute grand slam home run. It can't be a guy that you hope develops into something. It has to be a home run pick. And so I really, really, really hope that uh, we see something this week from the Raiders game that shows that Rashawn Gary can be that. And then on the offensive side, um, I'd, I'd really like to see uh, Valdez Scantling take a step and and show that he can be for sure that number two position because I think you've got it up in the air with Geronimo Allison and MVS, and now Jake Kumro is making a push. And there's a lot of these, uh, like we said, a lot of these other guys that are making a case to, you know, see more playing time. And so MVS is a guy 
that expectations are high for him and guys around him are not stepping up. And so can MVS come out and have a game, you know, hopefully in a situation here in the Raiders game that we see with Aaron Rodgers and we see all of these guys on offense make something happen with 12. But uh, MVS is a guy on offense I'd love to see happen. Um, any final thoughts heading into the Raiders game before we wrap up? Let's just hope we see Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Like, honestly, because the narrative for week four of the preseason is you don't play your starters at all. And we've seen years past where he doesn't play next to any time in the preseason, and it shows for the first you know few weeks of the season. Um, I just I just really want to see twelve. That that really is that's all I need. Um, I'm I'm pretty much at my point of like preseason snaps for Jake Kumaro. It's like I want to see him in a regular game. Uh, defensively, I just hope it's something Dan, like you mentioned early on. It's like they're playing vanilla. So once we get into week one. Um, you know, on Thursday night versus the Bears, we'll actually see some real stuff. But uh, yeah, I just I'm just ready for C12. Yeah, I think I'm itching at the same thing where it's like, okay, we've got two weeks of preseason under our belt, but we kind of want to see that the starters get out there and take some snaps, and you kind of want to see what the new offense looks like with Aaron Rodgers out there because obviously it's a completely different game when you're watching Kaiser or Boyle. It just looks horrendous and you kind of want to see okay what's it going to look like prior to the Bears game because it kind of makes you a little nervous if he doesn't take any snaps with this new offense prior to that game but I don't know it's kind of a gamble at that point like do you really want to play him do you want to risk it or you just want to sit him especially if he's having some back tightness it's yeah it's hard not to watch him because Boyle and Kaiser make it a little difficult but we kind of have to understand if if he's going to sit. Yeah, it's kind of at this point it's become kind of like uh the Camp Krusty episode of the Simpsons where everyone expects Krusty to show up, but instead they bring out Barney and it's no, it's Krusty the clown, but he won't be talking or doing anything. And it's like that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what watching like when you're expecting Aaron Rodgers to start the Ravens game. And then it's Deshaun Kaiser. It's Crunchy the Clown. Like, I, no, I want Krusty. I need Krusty the Clown, and I need Aaron Rodgers, and I need to see this offense work and be assured that everything we've gone through in this preseason is uh, is worth it. Um, so I think that kind of wraps us up for our episode. Um, again, as always, uh, subscribe, rate, review the podcast. Uh, huge help for us. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the pa- at Packaday Podcast. Um, us three are all on Twitter as well. I feel like we all put out fairly decent Twitter content, respectively. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DK all the way. Guys, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Janelle, where can they find you on Twitter? can find me on twitter at big mac underscore four so m-a-c-k awesome and guys next time that we talk we're gonna be preparing for opening weekend Oof. or opening night dang you're right that's, that's a true. fun thing to think about that is fun i'm excited yeah so until then guys uh enjoy the rest of the preseason games uh enjoy the the experience in winnipeg but uh, until then, we'll leave you with uh, a big go, go pack, pack go. go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.